What is up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of I Have No Filter. I am so excited that I am keeping my promise and I am posting another episode here at the end of the month for February. And it was Black History Month and I I didn't really do anything special. I'm kind of upset, but it's okay. Um, I kind of made up for it at work. I was kind of asked to do a a little blog for my um for my company for Black History Month and I know it's like oh you know why they ask you no I was actually um I volunteered to do it only because I've my experience of being a black individual is quite different from others experiences of being a black individual I know that sounds kind of weird but my life wasn't you can say, as I've always been told, it wasn't a typical black life. Um, I grew up in a very different household. I mean, I did not go to my neighborhood schools. I went to a IB program. Uh, I was in a Spanish IB program. I spent eight years learning Spanish, reading in Spanish, writing in Spanish. Like I did a whole book report in Spanish, understood every single word. Um, to this day, I still speak, read it, and write it not as fluently as I used to because I don't practice as much anymore, which I should, but <laughs> I don't. But I still, uh, to a certain extent, understand it. Um, so writing the blog was actually pretty interesting. Um, it brought it brought back a lot of memories that I didn't realize I kind of buried. Um, and in the process of writing my story, I. I cried a little bit because there was a lot of situations I was in or a lot of things I was told growing up as a kid um, that I wasn't black or I wasn't a true black girl or as I was a white girl. I was an Oreo. I was this. I was that. And a lot of most of it had to do with the color of my skin um, when it came to kids in my school, um, in my elementary and middle school. And I love them now. They're great. They're awesome people. I grew up with them. And, you know, I, I mean, just as kids, you kind of just, you kind of just repeat and point out what you hear on television or what you see at home. And, you know, looking back at it, I'm not angry at them whatsoever. They're beautiful human beings and I wouldn't trade them in for the world. It was just, unfortunately, at such a young, young age, they were kind of just expressing what they've seen heard or saw or learned and you know I don't hold it to them because all kids go through the same thing but it did leave a scar for me um, growing up but I wouldn't change it for the world because it helped me develop into the person I am today and if you want to read the story it's not up yet I don't think it's not up quite yet but you can go on to m.network and um into the opinion section of our website and you can read my story I actually track it in my voice so if you don't want to read through the whole thing uh you can listen to me read uh my story and it's it's honestly um it was a great therapeutic lesson for me or it, it was a therapeutic um way for me to kind of tell my side of how what it's like to grow up I guess not in a typical black life um my you know, growing up in a family that's their parents are Caribbean and my father, he's from the Virgin Islands and he married a, an American woman. Your home life is different. And, you know, the way you the way I speak, the way my cousins speak is very different. You know, they have an accent and I don't. So I'm not saying that there was a language barrier, but there was difficulty of understanding each other's opinions and our views on life and what we considered. Well, what 
I guess they considered to be a normal black life, which to them, you know, how they were living was normal and mine was just completely different. I was a swimmer. Um, at the time, they didn't consider swimming a, a, a big sport. I didn't speak like them. I was learning another language. And, you know, most of my friends were of other races. And that is not something that they were, you know, they were used to. So definitely growing up around my other cousins, I, I definitely felt like an outcast. So my my life, my black history, this Black History Month was really about me and about how I felt about my blackness. And writing that story definitely helped me realize that I've come such a long way from where I was when I was younger. You know, being called a white girl in Oriole your whole life, you start to form an identity crisis because you want to be accepted for who you are in both sides of your life. You know, you want to be accepted by your family, but to them, you're just some white girl, you know. To the people that you go to school with and who you, you know, who you swim with and whatever, they see you as this, like, you're black, but you're not really black. Like, you don't act like a black girl, like a normal black girl, but you're black. You know, it's kind of, it's like, I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's something I've heard my whole life. And, you know, when I was explaining that to my boss and my coworkers, they kind of looked at me weird. They're like, are you being serious? I'm like, yeah, I, I was questioned all the time whether I was black. I wasn't, I was either not black enough or I wasn't really black enough to what they were looking for. Like, it's, it's honestly, it's very difficult to explain um, but yes, this Black History Month was basically about me reflecting on my my life path, my journey, and how far I've come to accept my blackness. And most importantly, just accept me and knowing that many people will not accept me for who I am because they're, they, you know, they expect me to be a certain way. And if I'm not that way, then they kind of turn their nose up at me, which is completely fine. Before it would hurt my feelings, but now I'm just like, you know what? I know I'm freaking awesome. I know I'm an incredible person. And most importantly, my skin color does not determine what kind of person you think I should be. I am who I'm, I'm supposed to be, and I'm happy for it. And I think that's important when it comes to not even, like, when it comes to skin color. When it comes to your sexuality or your beliefs or, you know, whatever you hold dear to yourself, don't let anyone tell you how you think you should feel. You know, I spent my whole life kind of living through the eyes of other people and not taking into consideration about how I felt and what I wanted because I was so hell-bent on appeasing others and wanting others to like me. And I was so determined to do that that I was willing to alter things about myself in order for them to accept me. And that went on for very, like, most of my young life, you know, all, almost and basically all the way through high school, and, you know, I spent nights just being unhappy and crying because no matter how hard I tried to be what other people wanted me to be or expected me to be, it wasn't good enough. So it wasn't until I got to college when I went to FAMU that and I started speaking to other black women who went through the same thing I did. And it was very refreshing to have that conversation and to be open and honest about how I felt. And knowing that other black women have gone through the same road of acceptance was honestly the biggest relief I've ever felt in my life because I was like, oh my gosh, I wasn't in this alone. And 
to kind of find or to hear ways on how they overcame, you know, accepting their blackness and how they've navigated through their life really helped me navigate through mine. And after graduating FAMU, I really found my voice. It took a while because I was still, I had to shake off trying to appease others. So it did, it definitely took a while after, you know, in school, I was just finding my footing. And after I graduated, I was there, but not really there yet. And now I'm like, you know, I graduated in 2019, we're in 2020. And I'm, I'm just like, you know what, this is me, this is who I am, I found out who I am. And I'm loving every single part of it. And a lot of it had to do also with kind of taking time for myself, you know, in the last couple episodes, I, I mentioned that I was on this like no sex thing. And a big part of accepting my blackness was realizing that even though I date outside my race, I can't be what the guys want me to be. Like, I can't be the white girl for you. I have to be Sydney. I have to be the black version of Sydney, or that's kind of weird for me to say now that I'm, <laughs> but I, ha- I have to be who I am. I can't pretend to be someone else for you. And I had to, I had to stop. One thing I realized that I do, and I think a lot of people do, and they don't realize they do this subconsciously is, when you're on the first date and you know that great question, well, what are you looking for in your partner? That question is such a setup. I am letting you know that is such a setup question because when the person answers and they tell you what they want, you try and be that person because you want this person to want you. So then you try to you some people, I'm not saying all people do this, but then you try you you I did anyway. I tried to mold myself into the person that they wanted so that they would want me but then when I tried doing that and they weren't getting what they wanted I got I I thought something was wrong with me and there's something was wrong with me what was wrong with me was I was trying to be someone I was not so my biggest lesson from having this going on this no sex ban thing is don't ask that question it's such a setup do not ask that question um it's funny, a lot of the things, um, the comeback lines that I've gotten have been on TikTok, and this girl said the same thing I'm saying right now, and she was like, that line is such a setup. If a guy ever asks you, or a girl ever asks you, what are you looking for in a partner? She had the best comeback. She said, why don't you show me who you really are, and then I'll let you know. I was like, that is freaking genius. I'm going to say that because I don't want the person to conform to what they think I'm looking for. I don't want you to be that. I don't want you to do that. Be who you are. Be yourself. And if you're for me, then you're for me. And if you're not, it's okay. Let's move on. Let's find people who are, you know, there for each other. Uh, Another thing that I've learned um, was actually from... I have another podcast called A Little Dose with my mom. Yes, with my mother. I love my mother. She's awesome. So we spoke to this wonderful human being named Derek Gelber, and he was honestly a phenomenal person to speak with. Uh, And if you guys really want to know what we talked about, please tune in to A Little Dose. You can find us on iHeartRadio, Pandora, um, Apple Music, I believe, and I believe Google Podcasts. I forgot. That's basically all that platforms where you can hear I have no filter a little dose is part of that too the great advice that he said was that when he finally um 
spoke the first time him and his wife met, um, he said it was rude of him to think that she was interested in him from the first go. Don't assume people are interested in you just because they give you a little bit of attention. To end this podcast, I'd just like to say, be your absolute, perfect, undeniable self. And don't allow anyone else to tell you otherwise. Thank you for listening, guys. I hope you stay tuned to the March episode. And uh, see you next time.